back, 11:22. It is honeymoon week here on Relate. Today we are talking about what God says about the gift of sex and marriage, and how you may be able to spice up that sex life that has grown a little cold. All the husbands just got very excited. <laughs> but before we jump in, check out this clip from Pastor Joby's sermon this weekend on the honeymoon. And listen, man, I get it. We're wired differently, and I know I'm gonna speak in generalizations, but generalizations are generally true. That's why they're generalizations. I don't know if you know that. And yeah, we're wired different, man. God's, generally speaking, God's wired us different, all right? Maybe you've heard this before, this is true. Most, most of the time this is true. Men are microwaves and women are crockpots. That's just how it is, man. You know how long it takes to heat up a microwave? In six seconds, anatomically, a man can be ready to go, all right? Don't matter what you're doing, you can be doing your taxes and your wife's like, you want to? Be like, yep, I'll pay the fine, what are we doing? Well, let's go. It don't matter, man, it don't matter, it's just true. Women are, you know, women are crockpots, all right? Do they heat up? For sure, but there's a lot of ingredients and then you just got away. Is it ready? No? Okay, all right. Ready now? No? All right. Takes a minute. So here's the point. The key to great sex is being a great servant of your spouse. It's not about taking. It's not about getting some. It is about giving of yourself. I love being compared to a crockpot. What a metaphor for us. You're <laughs> um, today we have some dear friends, Sean and Katie Wilson with us. You may be wondering why them? And I'm glad you asked. Sean and Katie uh, met on spring break together. She saw him sipping a pina colada, shirtless, sweaty on a cruise. They fell in love, saved themselves from marriage, and just had their third baby a couple months ago. So they're doing something right. Well done. Did I miss anything or I, that I, about that covers pretty much it? sums it. I, I was not only shirtless, I was wearing a Speedo. And uh, I think what did she, I was smoking a cigar and reading a book on Warren Buffett. So she thought, the I just checked package. every box. She said, this guy one day is going to get his act together. Uh, <laughs> every box. I was also by myself on the Lido deck, which I'm sure really boded well for me. Confidence. I feel like we could end now and just, you know. Um, all right. So it is honeymoon week and we are going to dive into some fun questions. But before we get into the spicy stuff, I want to hear about your honeymoons. So, Sean and Katie, where did you go on your honeymoon, and what did you do other than each other? Oh, wow. <laughs> Come on, it's honeymoon week. We gotta have some sex puns here. Um, all right, where'd you go? What'd you do? What was Mexico. your favorite Mexico. We did Mexico. We went to Cancun, did an all-inclusive resort. Uh, yeah, and drank we, a lot, sat on a beach, did other stuff. Ate a lot. Ate we, a lot. We went to Playa del Carmen as well. We drove to Playa del Carmen, and Sean learned that he can't drive Mexican... I, Stick shit I really felt at the time and still do that I could drive just about anything. Uh, I learned there that the uh, stick shifts uh, and manual transmissions are a little bit different in some foreign countries. Uh, we found ourselves out one night and I couldn't put it in reverse. Katie was in a, a slinky little number with some high heels on and could not. She I don't know she, how to drive. She a couldn't stick. drive a stick, and so we're we're stuck there. And I said, "Babe, I don't know any other way to tell you. You're gonna need to push the car back while <laughs> I, I put it in neutral." And I've got one foot out like this, trying to Fred Flintstone it back just a hair, and she's out there pushing on it while we're out. We've been married like 36 hours or something. Yeah, right. yeah. Days later, I realized it was a really simple trick. There's like two little hooks. You just pull it up and. Uh, this car isn't working. I don't know if it was we more for humbling sure for her or to bring myself. It back. Oh, it wasn't humbling for me. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure. So, All right, learned. that's awesome. Wow. Joby and Gretchen, where, where did you guys go on your honeymoon? Jamaica. So started our mini Jamaica adventures. 
Yeah, we stayed in all-inclusive. It was the first time we'd ever stayed all-inclusive. We were like, oh, my gosh, we can eat 12 times a day if we want. And this is amazing. And you were just sick, right? So you were coming off. You were ready and out of... Big appetite. Yes, we actually postponed our honeymoon a week because we were afraid he was going to get it. Oh, right. So we postponed it. So it was a week after we got married, and all was well. And of course, out of all people, you guys met Pastor Wayne, and now we take trips to Jamaica every year, which came out of your honeymoon. You're like the yeah. only couple I know who's yeah. basically started a ministry yeah. out of your That's when we met him. feels yeah. right for you. Well, Gretchen used to be terrified of flying, and oh. she would have to, like, medicate to get on the plane. But then the anxiety and the medication would attack and anxiety would win, so she would white-knuckle it the whole way. And then the moment we would land, she was relaxed and just... Conked. It was like our wedding day again. She was almost unconscious. And I'm, like, kind of carrying her through the airport. I don't remember. She didn't remember remember the bus ride to the resort or any of that. But when when we... Good to resort. I was like, baby, it's not nice between the hotel, I mean, between the airport and here. We should do something about it. And that's, that's how the mission trips Classic. started. And he's like, I can't believe you're not nervous on the bus ride because oh, that's way, way worse than flying. Yeah. <laughs> I have never feared life like I have on a Jamaican bus trip. Yeah. <laughs> Up those mountains. mountains. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Okay. Sean and Katie, from your personal experience, so you saved yourselves from marriage with each other. Why was it worth it to pursue purity until marriage? I genuinely, I feel like I've always remembered, I, I became a believer early in life, and uh, I believe that was a call on my life. But at the same time, I, I honestly did not think it was attainable. I, I, I remember all these, like, pledges, these, like, abstinence pledges. To my knowledge, I never signed one of them. Even, like, as a young guy, I thought, that doesn't seem like it's going to work out very well. <laughs> and, I, like, even then, I remember, like, I don't want to, like, commit to something. And then, you know, we've all met people who, you know, put the promise ring on and then take it off and, all, you know, that kind of thing, and, you know, who, who uh, you know, signed these things. And I felt like that was putting a level of pressure. But I also thought that it was like, uh, it's real easy in a moment to just say, okay, I'm going to do this thing. Uh, and I don't know that that really works for anybody. What I found, I, I, well, I shouldn't speak to other people. What I found for myself is that just like any sin in our life, we got to die to ourselves every day and, and wake up and, and do that. And I also just think that it was, it was by the, uh, the grace of God that, that you know, gave me the strength when necessary, and then other times just gave me the, the provision. And um, we were talking about this the other night, that just uh, I feel like it, in so many cases uh, in my life, it, it was just evident that God was at work in those, in those times. Because I, I feel like you know, from the difference between abstaining from that and, and having purity is, you know, is a real different thing. But for whatever reason, he did kind of walk me through that and always gave me the strength and provision. Yeah, I think that God really desires um, holy purity, and I think that our reality of purity is a lot of what Joby talks about in our sermons is that we're fleeing from sin instead of flirting with it. And for me, it was uh, wanted to be a good girl, right? Wanted to have that performance. I wanted to be able to say, check, did that. And I didn't really desire God's purity the way I think he really outlined it. So... It, uh, I think that it's a really beautiful thing to do, and I think that it affects our marriage in a really great way to not bring in anything else mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. the bedroom. Um, but there is the biblical standpoint of it was not really presented to me. It was just like a, don't do it. That was it. That was all the conversation was. It's shocking you made it when, with the Speedo in mind. <laughs> <laughs> it was a true stumbling block. I think, I think I own these boots at the time, too. <laughs> And if you can't get lucky in these boots, you just <laughs> hang it up, my friend. Okay, so 
the number one question we got, Pastor Joey, this is for you, and you addressed this in the sermon a bit, but within the context of marriage, what is allowed in the bedroom? Um, well, yeah, it's a great question. Um, again, it comes back to the idea of how do you see sex. The sex is not gross, which honestly some of the early uh, church fathers thought it was, you know. Uh, thought it was a result of the fall, and so they kind of treated it that way. That kind of thought made it all the way into, like, uh, uh, English thought and uh, puritanical thought, you know? And so some people think it's gross, and then we live in a culture that treats it like a god and, and spends way more time thinking and talking about technique than intimacy. But the question for married people uh, for sure, the things that are out of bounds are, is sexual immorality, which for sure includes other people or pictures of people or videos of people, any of that kind of thing. But fundamentally, uh, you know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, he's quoting some kind of the uh, popular ethos of the day and says, all things are lawful for me. And then he follows up with, but not all things are beneficial. So the key question is, is, is it beneficial to your spouse? That you should never do anything that's degrading and ultimately, what you've got to do, we've been talking about this the whole time, you, you just got to flip the way you look at your marriage upside down. Instead of saying, what do I get to do? The fundamental question is, how can I serve? So couples that have a good sex life ought to talk about it, ought to talk about what's okay, what's not okay. And ultimately, what you're not, you're not coming into that conversation saying, can I do this? It's more like, how can I serve you? And those are two fundamentally different ways to think about it. And if there's anything that makes your spouse, if, if it's not beneficial, if it, does, if it makes them feel degraded, anything like that, then um, I would remove that from the playbook. I think that's really helpful to many people at home. And, I mean, many people who sent in that question have been married for many years, and I feel like they've never gotten any biblical guidance on what, I know what we're not supposed to do, but, you know, what are we allowed to do? But I would also want to say, but there's nothing wrong. There's no Bible verse that says you can't, like, put a pole in your room and get a <laughs> leather mask with a zipper mouth and swing from the chandeliers and no. dress up like cops and robbers or whatever, man. Where's I mean, Vito? do your thing and some cowboy boots. <laughs> like, for real. <laughs> and there's, there's usually, typically... I mean, you know, this is a little bit of an overgeneralization, but there's typically one person that's a little more adventurous than the other person. Adventurous. Right? <laughs> I'm just choosing my words wisely, okay? But there typically is, right? right. And, um, but we're supposed to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the, the less adventurous person, be great to sort of push the bounds a little bit, loosen up a little bit, you know? The key, the key is is to talk about it. And I mean to really talk about it. Like a football coach would talk about a football game afterwards. You know, they would review film. They would go, that's a good play. That play is not a good play. Now, I'm not saying that you should film it and put it on the screen and be like, you know, <laughs> what we have here, that's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about it is a good idea for your spouse to say, that was a great play. We should run that play a lot. And that play should never be in the playbook anymore. That's not awesome. That's good. Okay, so Gretchen, I'd love to hear from you on this. Um, for couples who maybe had good intentions to pursue purity before marriage but ended up breaking those boundaries and slipping into temptation, but now they're married, what advice could you give for them to get rid of maybe feelings of condemnation and moving forward in intimacy with their spouse? Well, I think you have to first forgive yourself 
because you know that the Lord has forgiven you mm -hmm. and that your slate is wiped clean. Um, but I also believe it takes time and it takes a lot of communication with your spouse mm -hmm. because um, whatever it is, whether the married couple had sex before or multiple partners before, um, whatever it is, communication is key because you're either both feeling that guilt or whatever or one person is and the other person needs to build that person up because mm -hmm. you knew that going into it. So there is no condemnation in Jesus, so just make sure there's none from you either. Mm -hmm. That's good. You know? Yeah, that's really um, good. Pastor, do you have anything you could add to that? I'd echo what, what G said. You need to confess and repent. And gross things grow in the dark. And so if you've stumbled, you confess those things, you repent together. And husband, you should take the lead. And then just know that when the whispers of condemnation start creeping up, that is not the language of the Father. That's not the language He speaks. The language He speaks is, it is finished. And so, and just like Gretchen said, if Jesus forgave you at the cross, then who do you think you are to hold a higher standard than Christ's death and resurrection? So you need to just receive that forgiveness and practice sharing the gospel with one another. It's really good. And then also the Bible says, love keeps no record of wrongs. So once it's confessed and repented of, then there's no reason to like bring that back up and invite those ghosts back into your marriage. Amen. I, but I think that goes for, for all of us. We all have things that we need to, yes, in, in, in that arena, I mean, it's not just this act or this act or, the, you know, it, we, we've all got things that we need to confess and repent of and talk through. And, um, you know, even for, for those of us that, you know, I feel like we got invited to this thing because we kind of checked this box, but that doesn't mean that we don't have like, because we didn't have sex before marriage, that we didn't have things to, to work through and, and confess to one another. So I, I really, I was just thinking about, you know, uh, those without sin cast the first stone. And we've all, we've all got some, mm -hmm. some work right. in the dating and, uh, you know, courtship process in that arena. For sure. Okay, so we know men and women are different. Uh, Pastor Joby describes us as crockpots versus microwaves, but it's the emotional versus physical. The list goes on and on, and it's a good thing. But so, Sean and Katie, in your own marriage, how do you cultivate intimacy, which is like the church way to say it, but what we're really asking is how do you maintain a spicy, healthy sex life? <laughs> oh, me? Um, <laughs> I think I had, to, I had to stop coming up with a mental checklist of things he needs to do so that I'd want to do him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, the trash sure didn't get taken out, did it? Well, that's not happening. Uh, it's really easy to blame the household for what's going on in the bedroom. And that's not the place of the bedroom. It's for us to get together. And I cannot do my job well as a mother if I'm not reconnecting with my husband. And I know he can't be sent out into this world doing uh, ministry or work in any area without me being at home and being a rock for him. Yeah. So I, I just had to maintain being open and communicating and talking and being really honest when I've had three children on top of me all day and then you want <laughs> to also be on top <laughs> of me. Can we all just pray for So sometimes, <laughs> you know, mama needs a minute and a glass of wine and then I'm, I'm with you. Um, but <laughs> more is more. I really do believe that. I think um, even when you don't feel like it, sometimes 
the reward of that intimacy, which is the goal and the point, and it's not just a physical act, that you're getting what you want. Mm -hmm. And yes, and amen, it feels good, but it doesn't, that's not the point. So spice, it's real spicy. <laughs> I don't know about the spicy part, but I would say uh, do the dishes. 50% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> <laughs> It helps. Yeah. It does help. Somebody to this guy. <laughs> I think it was me. I think I it was you. Snorted. I think that's the second snort so far. <laughs> it's so we're, good. We're count, it we got a snort count going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a bit of a follow-up question. Pastor Joby, we got this. How can I get my wife to have more sex with me? <laughs> Words direct to it. It's a great question. So you should ask her. Answer carefully. Yeah, but you should ask. I mean, seriously, it's a great thing to talk about. It is, first of all, it is a really great thing that this husband loves his wife and is into his wife. There's a bunch of husbands that aren't. They, they don't treat their wives that way. And so one of the things I would say to the wife is, first and foremost, like, be careful what you complain about, right? You have a husband that desires you. That's a really positive thing. Um, I mentioned it, I think, weeks ago. Uh, that couple should probably read a book like The Five Love Languages because... The goal is not to have more sex. The goal is intimacy, and the more you build intimacy, then then sex is the follow-through and not the main event. And okay. so that still needs to be the way you approach it. Gretchen said something to me years ago that helped me a ton. She said, I want to feel like you got turned on because you were pursuing me. You're not pursuing me because you got turned on. Mm. That's and that really was, because, man, in my house, I mean, because, you know, you think about it, right? You, you've been told all these years, like, no, you can't have sex, can't have sex. And then one day you get married and you're like, all right, green light. And then you're sitting in your house and you hear the shower come on and you're like, somebody's <laughs> naked. And you're just, Is that how okay. men's brains work? That's how mine works. And I'm old, man. I'm 47 years old. I still feel like, I tell her all the time, I was like, if you'd have told me when I was 17, I would be married to this. And yeah, I hear the shower come on and I just go wondering in and be like, hey, how really you doing? For one more. Okay. So, the idea, so I, but that, that conversation helped us a lot. So it, really so the dishes thing, if your wife is an access service kind of girl, then you need to start that pursuit by taking out the trash and filling up the car with gas. Or if she's a quality time kind of girl, then, and again, it's not so that you can have sex later. It's intimacy is more than just what happens in the bedroom. It should as guys, we need to be on our game all the time, not just when we want something. And another follow-up, Gretchen, this is from then a wife. What do I do if I don't want to in that moment? Not ever, just at that time. Not never, just, yeah, not just Like they're saying, at that time. I, just right yeah. now, how do I, I guess, how do I, what if I don't, don't uh, want to do it in that moment? How do I say no, but not forever? <laughs> well... I mean, I always go back to communication because there's there's a way to say no and then there's a way to say no. There's a way to say no to where your husband can get it and understand and then there's a way to say no that's just going to dig you guys into a further ditch. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I learned that about halfway into our marriage <laughs> and we communicated and I said, look, when you come pursue me at this time, it's terrible. And then I feel so bad that I you know, turning you down and you don't understand why, but here are the reasons. So wives have to be really diligent about saying, these are not good times for me. And I promise there are legitimate, not good times, husbands, for wives 
to have sex. And there's, it's just how it is. And so for a wife to communicate that to a husband, it really helps because I think, I think he is more in tune to her physical, emotional self and he, you know, he will, he'll get it eventually, you know, and it's because a guy can, a guy, there is no bad time for a guy, <laughs> right? Like a microwave. Right. Um, but, but also you have to communicate about if you don't want to do it, not just in that moment, but if, if most of the time you don't want to do it, you need to talk about husbands. Just imagine if you were not satisfied every single time you had sex. And that happens a lot with women. And would you want to have sex or keep having sex if you weren't getting what you want mm -hmm. out of it. That's why you have to communicate completely. And what about if you don't feel like it? I, when we went through pre-marriage counseling, I remember our counselor saying something on, along the lines of, if you waited for both of you to want it every time, you would, you, it would rarely happen. So what, Pastor Joby, can you speak to that? Should, if you're not feeling it, is it still an act of service that you should engage in? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, in the sermon, I did go over 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that talks about husbands, your body's not your own. It belongs to your wife, and, and which I don't know why that verse is in there, but I guess there's some guys that way. I'm not. I don't know. But yeah, there are times where, yeah, man, you're thinking about your spouse and not yourself, but that doesn't mean like he or she owns you. So you are your own person. Mm -hmm. And a part of what Gretchen's saying is right on. There's a big difference between no and not now. It's a big difference. Right. And as much as we all joke about how physical guys are in all of that, it is so much more than just a physical for us. It really is. And it takes some serious vulnerability to pursue your wife. I know you don't think it does because you're married, but it does. It takes some vulnerability to reach your hand out there and you get it slapped a couple times and then next thing you know, it's T-Rex arms and you're not fully going for it. And then eventually some guys are like, I, I'm not going to go, I'm not, it's not worth the rejection anymore. Mm -hmm. So for sure, there are times when, you know, one of the spouses is just being a good husband, being a good wife, like the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. But if that is primarily, if that primarily describes your sex life, something is wrong, yeah. like really wrong. Just like Romans, the book of Romans is God's standard for righteousness. The Song of Solomon is God's standard for marriage. Mm -hmm. And anything outside of that is abnormal. And you should seek help. And a part of what Gretchen is talking about, we talk about this. How do Christians, how do they find out how to go, have good sex if they're, if they're not? They're, I mean, because most of what the world offers is, right. is pretty outside the lines. You know what I mean? So this is why I think community matters like crazy. Be really great if if you were in community with some other married people and you had a problem that you could talk specifically and vulnerably about your sex life. It's really good. Okay, so last question. We're everyone's going to answer this. We're going to start down there with you, Katie. Everyone's going to give your top tip for a great, healthy sex life. <laughs> and we're starting with me. <laughs> and you're up. Can you repeat the question? Yep. Um, can you give us top your top tip? for a healthy, great sex life? Now I'm sweating. <laughs> um, so you know how when you're getting married, and typically, uh, if your girlfriends are really fun, they throw you a lingerie shower? Can we just say that about 10 years into the marriage, you should get another lingerie shower? 
Um, I really feel like what was in style 10 years ago is not working for me anymore. <laughs> um, Dress for the job you want. But there you go. I really think that that mentally puts you in a place, you know, I'm not wearing that when I'm feeding my kids, right? So when you go and change, it really does shift your mind, and I think that, uh, you know, That's look good. good, feel good, play good, right? Love that. My man. <laughs> Not a man. Uh, I um, I think have fun together. When when you're laughing, when, when we're when we are are genuinely laughing throughout the week or throughout the day, uh, uh, things just go better. Yeah. And and then you know it it all just ties together. When uh, when that is true, you know that that to me that is not intimacy in and of you know the, the only form of intimacy. But but it is I think in our marriage and I think many others. Like it, yeah, it, it is a great indicator of how how we're doing. If we're genuinely just having fun together and laughing, um, I, I think we are going to probably have more sex. It's probably going to be better. And then, and then honestly, when when we have that level of intimacy, everything is just better. Mm -hmm. And we've we've got three little kids. We've got three kids under the age of six, and uh, things are certainly different today than they were ten years ago. And um, but it's it's great, and I think you just got to. There's got to be a level of like uh, uh, adulthood, you know. As a man, you just kind of got to understand like where you are, and then you got to be more intentional with some things. Uh, but also, uh, if if you're not having a, a level of of intimacy, kind of outside the bedroom, I think it's just going to be hard to then try to make up for that there. Really it's a big part of it for sure. But if we're not like, if we're not connecting that way, and I think again, one of the ways. I know that we're connecting well is when we're just laughing and having fun together. That's awesome. And that goes to what you were saying about pursuing mm -hmm. and then sex is kind of the follow-through of that. Correct. Okay, what about for you? Talk. Not just during sex, though that's good too. But, I mean, you've got to communicate, right? To just just talk about, like, what what's good, what's not that good. Uh, like Gretchen was saying earlier, if if... If the wife is being pursued at times that are inconvenient and the husband doesn't know, talk about that. And then the other thing is, man, you're not in a hurry. The point is not the finish line. It's not. If the point is intimacy, then, then don't be in a hurry. I mean, really. Sometimes it can, especially for married people that have been married a long time, you just get in these routines, and it can almost become transactional, you know? And you should just hang out for a while. You should just be there for a while. There's no need to be in a rush. And then, and then that's a great time to, to talk about your relationship, too. That's good. Everyone said everything. I think it starts outside the bedroom, and if it's not good outside the bedroom, it'll not be good in, in the bedroom. Um, but you do need to talk to each other about, I think specifically, about sex and what the other one likes and doesn't like and what works and doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times he might be thinking, oh, I'm killing it. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and she's going, not really doing it for me. But she's afraid to tell him. Right. Yeah. You know, and you shouldn't be afraid to talk about it. Yeah. And, and say, okay, this is what works. This is what doesn't work. I like this, don't like this. And it has to start outside of the bedroom. That's great. Well, thank you guys so much for being here this week. This was easily one of my favorite weeks so far. And to all of you at home, um, so in closing, we actually have a small gift for you. Here at the Church of 1122, we are a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And a part of that deepening is supporting 
a healthy sex life. And so the crew of Relate, um, here's Robbie. Give it up for Robbie. Oh, yeah. um, we got you some chocolate-covered strawberries just to say thank you, and we support oh, your marriages and your families, and we'll end this show quick. So uh, anyway, thank you all at home. Um, join us next week, and we will have a professional marriage and family counselor, Rebecca Maxwell, here with us to talk about healthy conflict and how to fight. Ironic that it's coming that week after the honeymoon week. Um, you don't want to miss it. We'll see you next week, church.